With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Archetypal Branding with Giselle Coy and Maya Zuckerman. Such a pleasure to have you today in my favorite format of all, which is the podcast. So for those of you who don't know, who haven't tuned in lately, I am producing an all-new podcast And it's different in that it's more personal and it's just a whole new style. So instead of lifestyles of the new golden age, which I still talk about, I'm really talking more about the journey of life and my adventure in this. And so I've renamed the podcast Giselle Coy, but it's Spiritual Adventurous, Galactic Code Writer, and Glam Fiend. And you're like, what? But those are all kind of descriptions. Maybe I've given them to myself, but they all apply. And just like many of you, we are so many things. We are never one thing. I think that day and age is gone. We're this hybrid. We're all these flavors, which make us unique. And we're always trying to kind of nail the spaghetti to the wall, so to speak, and find our one thing to promote when it's difficult and we're all so many things. And that is perfect for the subject and our our guest today, who is Maya Zuckerman. Um, And I will get to an introduction about her after I get through all of my introductions and our sponsorship. But I think you're going to be very pleased because a conversation with Maya is nothing less than inspiring and she brings a whole new language to the table. We have this new paradigm of marketing, of all of these things we're doing now, but the language hasn't really caught up. So even marketing, I question that word these days because so many of us like hack away at marketing, try to figure it out when actually there's a process that has a little more ease and grace that Maya is going to guide us through. So be excited. She's extremely intelligent. You're going to love this show today. But let's get back to today and what's going on. So um, like I say, the, the podcast is my new favorite platform. Why? Because it's authentic. It's kind of, it's not a sales pitch. It's more of a conversation. And if you're having a true conversation, you can't hide. You're not pulling your sales agenda out. You actually just listen to two people relax into their authentic nature and the stuff is going to come out that's real and true and transparent, and that's worth listening to. It's also worth listening to people that you want to hear about their the personal side of things, what their journey is really like. No one's going to get it on the soapbox in a podcast. Well, maybe they will. And just talk about how they're nailing this thing called life because no one's really nailing it. We're all self-navigating. We're all figuring out our way. We're all sharing notes, and we're getting closer and closer to masterminding with each other. And that's the level of a podcast to me. It's like it's like listening in on someone's private mastermind between two people. And it can be entertaining, it can be informative, but at least it's interesting. And I've kind of gotten addicted to the podcast lately. I listen to a lot of them, and you know, instead of sometimes during the day when you're going from one thing to the next, instead of music, I'll put on a podcast. And I feel like I'm getting educated, I'm stimulated, and it's just it's just a wonderful form of screen time, you know, because we all have our screen time, our, our movies are this, but the podcast is awesome. I think we're at the very beginning of it, and I think it's a new and true way to market oneself or to share one's gift or to get one's platform out. And I want to talk about a few of my favorite ones just because if, if you're not a podcaster <clears throat> or if you don't listen... It's like, where do you begin? Because you go to iTunes podcast and everybody's got a podcast. But some of my favorites are, I'm going to start with Joe Rogan. And you're going to say, what? Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan is awesome. He has this super smooth, velvety voice. He's funny. He's, um, what's the word? He's outrageous, to say the least. He's, He's 
cusses a lot. He's really foul-mouthed. I really like listening to that. It's like so free. He doesn't care. And he has a lot to say. And I, I heard a actually a comedy show he did the other night. And he was making this comparison between, um, let's see, who's the Kardashian? Bruce Jenner, who uh, changed genders, and his wife. And his whole argument was that, hey, you know, no wonder he wanted to become a female because he was living with all these females. And he was comparing that to his own life where he lives with, I think it's three daughters and a wife. And it was kind of outrageous. It was kind of a comedy thing. It was a little bit skewed and politically incorrect, but it was certainly fascinating. And it revealed this multidimensional thought form, which comes from podcasts and from a lot of things these days where there's so many dimensions to it. So in that dimension, we had entertainment. We had a whole new circuitry to the brain about thinking about something. We had comedy, we had entertainment, we had education. That's good communication. That's where we're headed. And podcasts are free. You can listen all day long. It, you know, it used to be like, get a new education through YouTube. How about get a new education through podcasting? I believe in it wholeheartedly. You know who else I like? I like Aubrey Marcus. He um, He's very personal about his experience. He'll talk about things that scare him. He'll talk about amazing adventures. He talks about his relationship. He and his partner have been experimenting in an open relationship. And he shares that, and it's who doesn't want to hear that? Because we're all navigating these things, and he is confident and interesting and intelligent and informative and adventurous in these areas. He's great to listen to. Another one is Duncan Trussell, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and he's just poetic. He he's he's kind of like a current Terrence McKenna in that he'll take you down the rabbit hole with his lyrical sense of prose, but he also has a vulnerable side where he will, you know, ask the questions in in an unprotected way to help get to the truth, and that's always refreshing. He's not, you know, positioning himself as an expert, although all of these people make no mistake, they're experts in their field. But we get to see all dimensions. Another one is Daniel Vitalis. He has done a recent podcast about working with the brain. He's a brain scientist. He gets lots of really good experts. So you don't have to go do a lot of research on things you're interested in. It's there. It's available. I really like his show. It's good too. So just, hey, I'm just like shouting out podcasts. Get to know them if you haven't already. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Also, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast I did with Seven Bomar, it's worth it. He was brilliant, and it was a great conversation. Two hours went by in like the blink of an eye, at least for us. It's a great listen, especially for the conscious broadcaster. Okay, I want to talk about another thing, and that is recently I went to the Advanced Meditation Workshop in Cancun, Mexico with Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you don't know Dr. Joe, he's he's the guy in What the Bleep who talked about the peptides and the brain and upgrading it. And he's been consistently doing research, speaking, and helping people change their reality through their brain for years. And he's doing a fantastic job. He's kind of like a Tony Robbins, but more along the brain meditation side. And I did his progressive in January where I learned about his breathing techniques and then curiosity was really getting to me. So I had to do the advanced. They actually test your brain. It's five days. We're at a five-star resort in Cancun. It was, it was a great way. It was like the ultimate vacation as far as I'm concerned. Getting upgrades, meditating on the beach, incredible food, amazing people. It's awesome. And what I took away from that besides major inspiration and a new sense of what coherence is, is the role of these hyper-accelerating events. And I would call that one, and I would call a lot of these things that we're moving towards are these events that just like jumpstart you. Now, if we look at the whole world and we see this massive awakening happening, and we're seeing like, we're told all these people are going to wake up and they are waking up. Well, what's the methodology of how are they going to wake up? Is each person going to go research? They don't have time to meditate for 20 years. But... There are these things called the hyper-accelerating event that can catapult massive amounts of people into higher vibrational states. I am so down with this. 
So I was there getting my upgrades with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And a friend of mine simultaneously was at a Tony Robbins. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. Tony Robbins has always been on my bucket list. I just think he's amazing. I personally think he's John the Baptist reincarnated. And he's he's doing a great job of having hyper-accelerating events. And I actually signed up for his event in L.A. in March after this other event that I'm working on. So... If you haven't treated yourself to one of these, it's not like going to a rock concert. I think in the old days, you kind of expected to get that feeling of oneness and camaraderie and upliftment and profundity through a rock concert. I think today it's a hyper accelerating event. So this leads me to talk about who our sponsor is, and that is the Conscious Media Festival. That is going to be in March. Many of you know I'm working on this and really pouring a lot of energy into it because it's a great process. And it's an idea whose time has come because there are many of us and probably everyone listening to this podcast who is called to create content and to broadcast their unique signature out into the world and to do their part in the awakening. This is a fact. There are so many of us. So it's like a tribe that's being called. And now I have a date and a time and a place to meet. And that's Austin, Texas, March 345, 2017. If you have not signed up, please go to the website, uh, ConsciousMediaFestival.com, and at least sign up to get the emails, check out the social media, and you may be called to attend. It's going to be a happening. We have amazing speakers. Maya Zuckerman is one, and check it out. I think this is going to be one of those hyper-niche, hyper-accelerating events, because not everyone is called. We're not appealing to everyone with this festival. It's not like... The giant music festival. It's this is hyper niche marketing for those people who are really called to do this, who want a quick upgrade. They want to figure out the technology. They want to get the confirmation about what they're doing. They want to meet other people that inspire them and take a quantum jump to next level. So this, if that's you, this event is for you. And you're going to want to do the three days because there's a party, there's workshops, there's It's just going to be amazing, so I want to invite everyone to check that out. So, that covers our sponsor. We can move on to what we're here to do, and that is our Maya conversation. So, let me introduce her real quick in case you're not familiar. I met her at the Illuminate uh, Film Festival in Sedona, which was an amazing event. I was so stimulated by all the people I met. It's It's like a conscious broadcaster event, except it's for people who make films. So it was incredible. Anyway, she did a talk on archetypal branding, which is what we'll talk about today. And the thing that I was so enamored with was she seems to have carved a new path in in relating to this thing called marketing and branding. And it's fresh and it's new and it's organic. It's not learning this stuff that makes you sell things. It's not learning these unnatural ways to get your way out, to get your name out, to do any of that. It's like just basically taking your essence, radiating it out in an organized way and in a well thought out way that makes sense. And it does make sense. So I worked with her for a little while on a project for myself, and I learned so much. It's like a process of discovery with Maya. I had the privilege of working with her, and she takes you through, you know, the process of getting to know yourself, and then she breaks it down, and then that fractals out into a million different aspects of what you can do to follow this path and keep going down this road on yourself. So I'm still unraveling a lot of the things that Maya and I talked about, and, uh, yeah, because it's she's a wealth of information and she has a lot to share and she will open your mind to what all is is out there. Her her talk is about and her platform is about transmedia producing and that's I call that multi-platform producing, which we'll talk about. She's a story architect and a culture hacker. And um she is definitely someone to address this emerging market of the conscious broadcaster because it's about refinement of your message, standing in it, and and broadcasting that. So it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. And so at this moment, I would like to bring Maya on and say hello to her. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? 
Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to dive right in because I know that's how you like to roll, Maya. So here we go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And listen, I want to tell you, I'm really excited that you'll be at the, at the uh, Conscious Media Festival. Um, we already have people asking questions about what you're going to be talking about. So you're in demand. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> excited to be there. Yeah. So I'm going to start with, um, I like this concept of moving, you know, as we ourselves are moving out of the old paradigm into the new paradigm. How does that apply specifically to marketing? How do we get out of the old paradigm marketing and move into what serves us better? Well, you know, the old paradigm of marketing, uh, you know, very kind of dr cut and dry, you know, the Edward Bernays, uh, you know, who was the nephew of Freud marketing was the ina inadequacy marketing, right? The marketing that would tell you something's wrong with you. Here's our product to fix it. I mean, and one of the earlier things was uh, Listerine. Uh, look at her. She was never going to get married because her breath is bad. Here's our product, you know, and then she can get married. I mean, it's so talks to our fears, talks to our inadequacy, it's disempowered, empowering humans. Um, and, you know, if you look at the state of the world, um, that story has worked so well that we're actually in a, in an event, um, in an epoch, which is called by scientists, the Anthropocene, which is man-made problems, um, because of a lot of this consumer and lack mentality of like, we're not, we're inadequate. We're not empowered human beings. Um, and, you know, yes, we have a lot of the challenges, a lot of issues, but also one of the biggest things that I've kind of seen the pattern emerge is we need new stories. Uh, we don't have a story for these times because we've never been a global community. This is the first time in our, in our history that we're a global community. Um, and then there's all these changes happening so rapidly. So how do you find the sense of sense of self within this much broader epoch that is happening all around us. And, you know, and, and I'm really talking from grounded, this is what's happening. No pseudoscience, no nothing, just really the reality of what we're facing and challenges and the reality of what marketing has been. This, this, and it still works, right? Um, that marketing, that old narratives are still working on some. And I'm not going to talk anything about politics, but if you actually kind of just dissect what just happened, that is the old story done in a very, very old way that still works because why people are not, are disempowered and where people are disempowered, old narratives work on them. Uh, you know, so that's kind of like the, the, the kind of bigger, broader conversation. Sorry, did you, did you want to ask something? I like your answer about how did we get here as far as the new paradigm is really moving out of the fear consciousness. And that's kind of the blanket statement. I totally agree with that. How do you think we got to this place where we are, Marketing and everything in our entire culture is fear-based. Uh, well, again, it's the it's the narrative of us versus them. It's the hero's journey in a level that um, has just you know perpetuated itself everywhere. And the hero's journey, we have to you know look back at where its origins are from. That's a coming of age story that is only worth told for adolescents. Um, and you know it's it's got a very very important space and time and stage. We don't have um, coming-of-age uh, ceremonies anymore. Uh, prom does not cut it. Um, you know, we do not have, you know, and marrying is, doesn't cut it either. We don't have these initiations into maturity and into bringing back into the village. And, uh, you know, I think the, the issue with the hero's journey is it stops when the hero comes back to the village. But there's a whole story there that has never been really told and never been really focused on. Um, the other issue of the hero's journey is that um, it really works on the, uh, not my invention, but the conversation around the drama triangle where the hero plays a part within, um, within a conversation or between a tension that's between the victim, the persecutor, and the hero-savior modality. So the hero always saves, but there's also always going to be somebody that's persecuted and always somebody that um, you know, uh, is a persecutor. So is this drama triangle that keeps us very much in that dynamic and never lets us grow beyond it. And all marketing is that. Uh, do you want to be a hero? Do this. Do you want to be, 
you know, do you want the strongest, you know, most manly car? Buy this. Do you want to, you know, you know, are you a victim of? Buy this, you know. So it's never yeah. been anything empowering. Um, and, you know, and it's that's actually kind of scary. If you actually kind of break it down and kind of do the kind of 32,000, 42,000 feet overview of the story, you just see it everywhere. Um, well, even bigger oh, than that, what I see is besides nothing – we have nothing beyond when the hero comes back to the village, you know, what happens then. I mean, even bigger, take the altitude that you're at right here. It's, we don't even have the equipment to pre to prepare ourselves or to deal with or to live in abundance, prosperity, things turning out good, things being happy, things being wonderful. That's like a whole new paradigm shift right there to retrain mm -hmm. the brain and the current state of affairs to live in a, an optimized, happy, satisfied, prospering, flourishing environment. That's above yeah. everything. That's a, and I think for us, it's a it's an instinct thing. I, you know, if we actually look at our evolution, um, you know, we evolved pretty quickly from kind of the almost extinct humanoids that we were into the most thriving species, or I don't know if it's called thriving, but the most popular species on Earth besides some insects and, and viruses, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we didn't have, and we're also not predators. I mean, you know, let's leave the drama triangle, that's a story, but, you know, true predators, and this is not my idea, this is from a, a book called Sapiens uh, by Yuval Harari, a good anthropological book. Uh, you know, he talks about how predators in nature, if you look at them in their natural state, they're proud, they walk slowly, they're empowered, uh, we're not predators. We are um, scavengers and, you know, and opportunists. And that's the way we behave. And if you kind of look at like our histories, this is what we've done. So we're still in that fear, you know, fight or flight all the time. We've never actually grounded in self and empowered human being. That's completely not our narrative and completely something that's been very alien to us up until the past, I think, hundred years and here and there in specific individuals throughout our history. That's a really sad thought, but let's, you know what? Let's just, it is a sad thought. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's very sad. Okay. We're going to um, move beyond that because what <laughs> we're doing is we're going to, it is sad, but listen, what I like about your work is, all right, go, going back to the human story and yeah. looking at the archetypes, that's encouraging to me. And mm -hmm. whenever you mentioned this concept to me, the first thing I did was go to Carolyn Mace because she did a great job of, naming the archetypes and sort of like hitching your star to an archetype like oh my god i relate to athena i feel that power that warrioress and then kind of like reshaped my reality reframed my version of myself and mm -hmm. helped me move forward and i think this is a lot of what your work does it kind of takes us it gives us a way out of that sad scenario Exactly. And, and it's something that, you know, so, so here, here's, here's the positive. The sad scenario is a very early stage development, developmental scenario. It's when we learn to deal with ourselves, we also have to learn to deal with our dark side and our light side, right? That's like, you know, Star all those films like Star Wars, you know, Lord of the Rings, all of that. That's like the early deve developmental stage of a mature human being. Um, the issue is we're never taught how to go beyond that. Uh, we're taught to grab our swords, but we've never were taught to go. And now that I've grabbed my swords, I'm empowered. How do I really bring that power and support my village? Like we've never had that kind of story. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we can use the archetype, we can use the hero's journey. It's important, but there needs to be a stage beyond. And we're missing that stage of maturity where we grow up. And we drop our sword because we don't need it because the sword is within, the power is within, and we don't need to yield power over somebody. We are power and we walk in the earth, on the earth with this empowered state, and then we support and we champion others. We don't battle them. You know, that's something that has never been a story like this. Um, no. Do you see anyone doing this successfully in the media these days that you think embodies this? They've grabbed their sword or they're wielding it correctly? Uh, very few. Uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> ah, nice. Bernie Sanders is definitely because it's he even I, I posted a video of him because he was just just a, a couple of days ago. So I, I don't remember where he was because he's everywhere right now. And there, you know, and the, and the kids were and the people were chanting Bernie, 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 Bernie. And he's like, enough of that. 
enough of that. I love you. It's mutual. We love each other. This is about love, not about hate, because this is where we come from. But it's not about me. It's about us. And I think that is the call. That is a call to arm about us, empowered us. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that is uh, that is part of that. Uh, and I think that is a story that needs to happen much more. But it's happening with a lot of people now, uh, especially in politics, but in other places, um, you know, what's happening in North Dakota. Those are the of the stories that are coming up from reality. Um, mainstream media, not there yet. Really, really not there. Uh, still very perpetuating the old narratives because they sell. And actually going back to older, more scary narratives, much more monsters, much more dystopian conversations than a yeah. positive story. And that's very, very dangerous. I agree. You know, interesting, you talk about the mainstream media. I, I just happened to see right before I clicked on to get with you how Trump called a press conference today to, quote, let the media have it, unquote, um, because of the practices and uh, way they were approaching things. And I don't know if that was for a more pro-truth platform or for a do-it-like-I'm-telling-you-to-do-it platform, because I didn't read the article. But the fact that, 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 that the media is even being separated out as a voice that could be this or could be that and being called out, I thought that was a good sign. It is a good sign. I think one of the things, and I've been seeing it for years, is that uh, the lack of discernment and the lack of um, understanding the vo- the different voices and the lack of search and, you know, especially now with the filter bubbles and all that issue is that people actually don't know how to discern truth from fiction anymore, uh, which is extremely dangerous. And it's exactly what just happened. This is the last few years um, have helped with that. Uh, and, and, you know, the way we could do that is, A, you know, there is a traditional media that's been around, the newspaper model, the, the investigative journalism model, that, you know, by and large is pretty good if we give it the, the, the funding, the time to do it. It's people that are not just like voicing their opinion. They're actually using methods that have been developed for over centuries on how to investigate something, right? They're researchers, you know, so... And we got to like be very mindful when we're facing with this new reality of media streams from everywhere. How do we discern? How do we learn that Joe Rogan is an opinion? Aubrey Marcus is an opinion, even though they do have, you know, and we know that Joe Rogan is a comedian. So, you know, what's his archetype? He's the jester, right? So there's some truth and some non-truth in his conversations. Um, Aubrey Marcus is kind of a warrior archetype, right? Uh, but he brings his also knowledge from his world of marketing and he's just sharing his opinion. So I think the thing is that because, you know, especially younger people coming into this, this is, this is their status quo. They don't have the kind of narrative arc of where media was before and where it is now to actually compare. And that's where the danger is, where they will listen to Aubrey Marcus and they might see something on CNN and they might see something on Fox News and they might see some guy on YouTube and they think it's basically the same and they all have the same right they all have the same right for an opinion but they don't all are uh, uh you know discerning with the information that they have so that is where when the danger about, um when you i know you use the word post-truth media mm-hmm. uh what do you what do you mean by that exactly can you define that in your terms well it's not my my nomenclature but it, you know uh stephen colbert uh, uh said it as truthiness where this comes from you know um uh, co- uh, co- cognitive dissonance and um, uh, uh, what's the other conversation? Uh, um, confirmation bias, where people will agree with a news source, whether it's a credible or non credible news source, because it works for their belief system and they don't have the capacity of discernment to, to see other, not even opinions, but other theories, other um, other ways of looking at it unless it really fits their, um, their narrative. Uh, and that is extremely dangerous because, you know, we're trying to empower people. This has actually disempowered people to actually make the right choices about what is happening on a global stage. Instead of having a more pluralistic, bigger thoughts, more, you know, higher perspective humanity, we have a niche interest groups that are, are clinging to their own quote-unquote truths um, 
and uh, and are not you know not okay to bring in any kind of other ideation, and that's very dangerous because those are the those that's how you actually get the marketers of every kind, polit- you know, special interest groups, politicians, whatever, to basically market to those people, to those niche groups, without them actually being able to discern truth from fiction anymore. Um, well, the is just a process of coming into maturity. I mean, how else does one come across this discernment? Uh, well, you have to, it's not a process of maturity. There's also, there's also science versus non-science and 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 of course there is areas in between there's also fringe signs which you know you can't prove everything but it can't disprove everything and you know you can be in the conversation of what if but there's also the scientific methods that have been institutes over hundreds of years that have created um ways of doing it ways of discerning the thing is that because it's open season for every kind of idea we're in a space where we're disempowered to know is this person telling us the truth or not? What's his special interest groups? What's his narrative? Why is he doing or she doing that? Um, and we're just getting it from an online digital space uh, where in the, you know, there were other channels, good or bad. I mean, good and bad for the past as well to have gotten the information before. So yes, maturity. Maturity is really being mindful about what you hear uh, having some detachment around everything you hear, having an inquisitive mind to follow down the rabbit hole and discover for yourself, does this sound real or is this just somebody's voicing their opinion without any kind of backing, right? You know, um, this really comes in, I think, I think this comes in in this current media trend, mm-hmm. uh, everything you're talking about in the area of, and I find this area really fascinating, disclosure, conspiracy, and whistleblowing. Mm-hmm. And so what happens there, you have conspiracy, which is kind of like when all these people were accused of doing this and you're like, that's where you really had to have, have to have discernment. It's like, did the UFO really land on that guy's house and, you know, or whatever the, whatever the thing proposed is. So that's conspiracy or all these people are doing all this bad stuff to us. And so like we're truth in that. And then you go to the next level, which is. And I think this is how we're maturing in this trend, which is whistleblowing. And that's like Snowden, somebody stepping forward and saying, hey, I was there. I saw what happened. This is what happened. This is my exact eyewitness report. But even there, you need some discernment. And then the next level, which I see everywhere, which I am really interested in, is disclosure. And to me, that means, okay, it's not conspiracy. So it's not based on what somebody thinks. It's not whistleblowing which is like has it can have an aggressive act to it and still needs discernment. It's disclosure. It's like, all right, this is known truth. Now we're, we are disclosing what really happened with this file, what really happened with these emails, what really happened. And I think as a, as an entire community, global community, we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. And Mm -hmm. the knowing the difference between these three things is really critical Because, like you say, that can get really dangerous. Yeah, and it already has. Uh, And because, again, uh, there's also the narratives that have been spoken out right now, which are extremely, A, they're they're old. I mean, right now, a lot of the narratives are extremely old. Like, it's um, it's like we went backwards in time instead of moving forward. But, of course, you know, narrative doesn't go, doesn't follow a linear way. It can go backwards and forwards. Um, and, and that is the propaganda. So, you know, the disclosure versus propaganda got to be very careful because right now we have so much propaganda. Um, uh, you know, I'm just going to like from, from the very simple thing of most of, most of the scientific community. Um, and, and if anybody understands anything about the scientific community to get a scientist to say a hundred percent is impossible. There is no such thing as a scientist says, I'm a hundred percent sure about those. They don't work that way. You know, that's not how, how science works. Um, and how the scientific method works. Usually it's a probability and, and people need to understand what probabilities are, you know? So the probability that, you know, humanity is facing horrific, uh, results because of climate change, man-made climate change, is probably around 95 to 98, which is way higher than anything, you know, we would like to, to be in, right? We would like um, 
to be in a probability of maybe only 50%. But here we are. To go against that is madness, you know, uh, and that is the propaganda of madness. And uh, that's sad. Um, so, you know, th that's my worry. That's my worry a lot with this. Yes, I understand. I like the way you frame everything as a narrative versus the story or the news or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's excellent. You know, I was having a conversation with Regina Meredith and she was like, she was posing the question, is there any, is there any real journalism left these days? And if you look at that in relationship to who, who's the one who uses the word truthiness? Uh, Stephen Colbert. Yes. Okay. So when you look at that, is there really any real journalism these days? I, I guess I would have to say it would be disclosure. What do you think is the real journalism? There is still real journalism and there are still people who really use it, you know, use the craft and the scientific method of journalism to, to or, or not scientific, but more the mechanism in a way that's objective and not subjective. I think that is true. Journalism is reporting on what is not what you think it is. Um, and also calling out uh, to, to issues that are are out there and and there is real i mean there's still very big publications and small publications that really adhere to that uh to bringing out the truth to bringing out the truth that supports all not the truth that supports some um yeah. and the true you know and the hard truth uh and actually i think we're going to see a revival of that because people are people actually got a big wake-up call to what fake news is creating in their lives um, some of them are just going to go completely disenchanted, but oh, and enfranchised. Uh, but others, as you can see from the numbers of people giving money to publications that have been more stable in not letting fake news come in, that really, really, and the and the way you know, again, discernment of a good journalist is who are your sources? What yeah. you you know? Do you have a track record of? really like looking at good resources and sources, bringing the scientific conversation, um, bringing more of a 360 approach versus, you know, a lot of these fake news opinion, which is, again, the language is horrific. The, the trolling language is so, you know, for your viewers, very low vibration. Um, uh, for your listeners, very low vibrations um, is part of that issue, is part of the, um, you know, what I'm very, very afraid of, because when everybody's got a voice, almost nobody does. Um, and we're all shouting. And that is, again, very low vibration, very old story, instead of holding back and crafting and taking your time and being very, very impeccable with what you put out there. And not Perfect just way. Perfect segue into yeah. what we're talking about today and at the Conscious Media Festival, a grassroots movement, cultivating this conscious broadcaster, taking it back to the individual. And that could be an individual who has a massive global audience. It could be an individual with a small audience. But the anecdote for all that is everyone finding their extremely unique energetic signature mm -hmm. and being truthful to that and then broadcasting their flavor of what they're contributing to the awakening game in an authentic and real way. And that's what's open to all of us now. And I like your idea of we have all these platforms now to do this. Yeah. And as a as transmedia producer, which you are, let's take the conversation now to the more the individual. And I want to start with talking about all of these, defining these different platforms that are available to this broadcaster. Well, you know, there's so many. <laughs> So I would actually go back to that individual person first. And instead of starting from the platforms, I would start with the self. Um, and I think for every, especially with talking about conscious media producers and creators, know thyself. You know, who are you? What's your purpose? What's your big why in the world? Um, and then work from there. Then how do you want to bring your message out to the world? Is it a speaking engagement? Is it videos? Is it spoken word? Is it podcasts is it art film what is it that really really calls you to do and then what would be um you know a central bigger message like a central piece where a lot of these things will happen like you know for you Giselle for instance the conscious media 
festival is kind of a cornerstone event that's going to happen in the next few months, right? That's a lot of the energy is going to go there. Where this podcast is an ancillary storyline for that story, your website is the same, your Facebook things, or everything is supporting this big revision, which you will also after the big event will catapult into something else, right? Might emerge into something else. So, you know, yes, we have all these platforms, but we got to choose the right platform for the right message and the right message for the right platform. Um, otherwise, you know, our message is all over the place and we're already all over the place. So how we're do we so hard- already over the place. That's what, like, yeah. I was going to say this. It's like, we are constantly evolving. And so I may do a branding session with you and say, okay, I know exactly what I am and where I'm going. And the next day I'm like, oh no, I'm this. It's like, it's trying to catch, it's like herding cats and catching a moving target. Yeah. What's your advice on that? Well, because, you know, yes and. uh, And the and is know thyself. You go back to knowing thyself and actually understanding what's that big gift you bring to the world. And that's the purpose and within purpose could be different things you can do. Uh, and I think that's that's a big thing, you know, knowing your purpose in the world um, and and what you want to do and, you know, what brings you joy and, you know, follow a bliss, all of that, but also what, what will make you money at the end of the day because we all have to pay, pay our rents and our mortgages and good food and all of that. So um, so I think that, that kind of the branding conversation is a moving target, but at some point you got to also settle, I mean, or it's not even settle. This is my brand for now. And, um, yeah. and point your compass to the North star and go, I'm going to go and focus on this and see what happens and really give the energy to this. Like for instance, the conscious media festival is a brand, right? It's very specific. It's very timely. It's, you know, it's got to start at an end date. It's got, um, it's got a design around it. Right. And that anchors things where, you know, I, I do work with a lot of visionaries and it is a moving target because it's like this very interesting space of what am I doing? What am I, where am I going? Um, but I think there is, especially because we still need to navigate in the ordinary world as we're evolving, there needs to be a grounding on this is what I'm doing right now. I'm going to give it focus. I'm going to give it energy and I'm going to walk with it and test it. Um, there's also like a design concept of actually doing these, like actually three odysseys where you develop, you know, what you want to do in three, like three completely different odysseys. Like I'm going to do this for five years, this for five years or this for five years. And you write them down and you start actually developing them completely and you're going to see what's the next three to five steps that you need to take. And that will actually advise you if you're on the right way or not. Um, you know, I love that. That's like a specific thing that you can do within your own evening space. It's like a kind of a unique niche mastermind. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. As for the next five years for yourself, like I would say, okay, I went down the conscious media festival route. I went down the more like helping people brand themselves spiritually, or went down just like doing podcasts and content creation. You know, if I look at all those three things and take one to a highly evolved state. And then you, I guess at the end of the road, you say, Hey, this one looks better. I think I'll do that one. Yeah, exactly. And then, exactly. And, and you got to do that. And you got to have a design sense of where you're going. Cause if you're just trying to like throw everything on the wall, nothing's going to stick at the end. Cause the wall's going to be all wet, <laughs> you know? So I love, I love doing that. It's a really practical thing for myself and everyone listening. We can do, we can just like imagine three scenarios of, of the five, your odysseys and also when you're talking i wanted to say it's kind of like this at some point you just commit at yeah. some point you just say okay because we can't try to be all these things to all people it, because once in the when we're way down the road and we realize oh my god it's when i was really true to my voice and really just did my thing i just did me the best i could do me that I, w- I had the most traction. I had the most alignment. Everything was working. And I think we're going to see that in hindsight. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's power, of the, you know, there's that um, poem. There's both Goethe and another guy, the, the, the power of commitment, you know, until you committed, you know, until basically, basically the, the gist of it is until you committed, you know, they've got all these ideas. But, you know, once you commit to something, then providence happens. You know, all these ideas that you didn't even think about show up, all these doors open and it just this is the way it works when you kind of are very clear yeah 
and it is about that clarity. It's like, and, and you know, of course, um, entrepreneurs, visionaries, creative people, we always love the next shiny thing. We love it. Like this is like we're in the shiny object thing all the time. Where's the other shiny object? So maybe in the design process of developing those things, leave a space, 10% of your week to shiny objects and, and build it in the design process instead of saying, I will not look at anything else because not everybody's like that. Some people have the ability to just focus on one thing at a time. Very creative people do not. So, you know, if you're developing your job, your next career level, whatever, 90% on it, then 10% on passion projects. So you, you keep that flame going for other things. Uh, and sometimes, you know, things would happen and you flip. All of a sudden, your passion project will get 90% of the time because you got the funding or decide to give it a try. And But but you didn't, like, completely segment yourself to too many uh, too many parts. And let's talk about right now real quick some practical plat- platform talk. So yeah. when I when I talk about multi-platform, I'm talking about let's just name the categories. You've got YouTube, you've got um, uh, well, a multi-platform would be social media. So everything yes. underneath social media. So you've got your Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Periscope, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all these other things, websites all of it it's a whole world right then you have more specifics of film video so you know you've got text you've got film video you've got imagery you've got audio sound music you've got actual film uh you've got uh, you know for for whoever can you know raise the money to do bigger bigger films um music uh but also things like books photo books objects um products specific products all of those are part of us yeah speaking of that you are working on a comic book am i right about that yeah i'm working on a sci-fi trilogy and i have just hired my new comic book artist i worked with one and now i'm uh, evolving to another one and he's gonna redesign a lot of my uh characters and i'm really excited about it that's so exciting because i think a big point here that i really want to stress it's like out of all these platforms, find the one that just kind of turns you on the most. And it may be not what you think. And I was thinking of this ex- specific example, besides you doing a comic book, which is really out of the box. What about, you know, the guy on YouTube, um, his name is Sears and he, he makes a joke. Of oh, he's awesome. I met him. Yeah. <laughs> he's so awesome. And you know, you know, what's interesting. It's like, wait, how can that be awakening people when I'm just making fun of spiritual people? But you know what it does when you watch that, I've noticed myself. I get really on point and and look at my own impeccability. Like, you know, I do kind of, you know, every aspect that may be phony with you, that may be posturing or whatever, mm-hmm. you're it is reflected to you in his comedy. And who would have thought a comedy somebody's making fun of that would be such an awakener? Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love him. I just saw him. I was at a festival called Symbiosis, and he was part of a mock like a mocking, mocking panel for yeah. the flat earth people and totally mockery, totally because it's, it's this conversation where flat earth all of a sudden has a conversation around it and it's, it's dangerous, right? So how do we, how do we deal with that? So it's, we make jokes at it because that's the, because unless you joke, you try to reason with people, you try to show them the fact because we're in a post-truth uh, space, people are like, Oh, but those are, smarty pants academics which is actually kind of funny because smarty pants academics are the most um uh, people who are uh don't have confidence because they're never sure about anything because they're in the scientific method so you know if they're saying they're sure you you gotta listen to them uh and there's so many of them um you know and and the way they work is not about their own personal opinion it really is about the scientific method and, and adhering to a higher conversation so what i loved about jp pierce there there in 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 the he was just so brilliant to the point that somebody asked him a question and um he said well i acknowledge your question which is you know something very spiritual people supposed to say but let's talk about me (laughs) (laughs) and and it was just so brilliant it was so you know breaking the kind of oh spiritual people are always about everybody else it's actually for me I, I love him I think it's it really he really helps me exactly see where my shadows are see where I'm 
not impeccable. So yeah, I love him. I think he's he's great. Um, if you're listening, why don't you come to the Conscious Media Festival and do a mock mock panel? Is that what you called it? A, a mock panel. <laughs> a mock panel. I think that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to invite him to come. Yeah, Good invite idea. him. Yeah, because I think it is really about that. It's like you got to laugh at it sometimes because some of the people are so serious about that with no groundedness and you know and 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 it's again the reason i'm kind of really sounding the alarm is because of where we are at at our time in the world right now where you know things that are so dangerous are happening on a global scale because of exactly that so we got to be impeccable with our news sources impeccable with discernment you know we really need to kind of step up and go well you know what i am I hear what you're saying. It's a great idea. You've got a great, op- or, or this is a great opinion. I need to do my own research and, but really do my research, go to the academia, go to the universities, and then listen to more alternative news sources as well and form an opinion. Yes. But also listen to people that this is their work, you know? Uh, so I think that's, that's part of what's happening is people are dismissing people that that's their life work because they have an opinion. Um, so just a little thing about, um, talking about the comic book, I want to come back to platforms, um, is that, um, I, you know, actually what I'm writing is a sci-fi, uh, multi-platform, uh, story world. So I've developed this, I've developed the ideation for everything. And then I chose, uh, the most doable platform. Uh, and also something that I can, if I need to, fund out of my own pocket and then grow and hopefully attract more bigger funding. And that's a comic book because just for a couple thousand dollars, I can make it happen versus if I wanted to do an animated series or a virtual reality experience, all of that, the nothing comes for under $150,000 to a few million dollars. Right. So it's also like, what is doable? Like be smart about it. I, I see a lot of people kind of fall into the, let's do a film. Even a documentary will cost you a quarter of a million dollars to, produce right i mean you can do it on the cheap and it will look like that um and if you really want to create something that's really good you do have to pay or or you start with a smaller you know what what we call in silicon valley the minimum viable product like what's the smallest thing you can do that still adheres to your message adheres to what you want to bring to the world but is already out there and then you iterate and you prototype and you grow from there um Instead of like doing, I'm only making a film and nothing else matters, you know, because that's, you know, some people do, but it's not an easy path. And especially documentary films don't make a lot of money. I mean, there's some outliers, but they don't make a lot of money. You know, it's, I've always been one to, I get an idea and I jump in and um, maybe don't do my research about what it's going to cost. It's like, I'm just so emblazoned with an idea. I will just plod forward. And I think that happens with other creative people who are creating content but I like what you're saying about tempering this idea so what you did was you didn't compromise your idea about your sci-fi trilogy Mm -hmm. you just found a way to sort of what's the word step it out so you've got this version which is going to have all the the seeds and the and the juice of the story but it's like a storyboard so a comic book is actually like a storyboard I just realized yeah exactly so and then you develop the world, that. but it doesn't cost you so much to develop, you know, visual effects and all of that. Um, it's 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 more traditional. And when you're done, you have a product. And you know, I'm I'm hoping that by uh, by the event, I might have a couple of previews to show and share, or at least some panels. Um, but you know, that's that's what I'm striving for. And and that's exactly it. It's like, what is your minimum viable product? Get it out there get it in the hands of people i already have you know not a lot but i have fans from my story worlds um and now they're gonna get an upgrade because all my characters are gonna be upgraded so there's this iteration and that's part of the process even if you look at your favorite cartoons over time you know or even your favorite you know um comedians and all that not everybody starts fresh you know being as brilliant as john stewart it takes years right to master that uh, Homer Simpson looked differently in the beginning. Mickey Mouse was completely different to what we are see today. So, awesome. yes, yeah. So I mean, it's okay. I mean, have you have you ever seen the first Apple logo? Did you know what it looked like? No. 
It was horrible. It was a sketch of Newton with an apple next to him. Like, looked like old, like, lithograph sketch. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. That was I, the... Yeah. It took a long time to move from that to the very simple Apple uh, logo. That we have today. But, you know, I think they're also... It's like, it's always... You're trying to find that sweet spot between, okay, presentation does matter. You can't just throw stuff out there. But you also do have to you have to present at what level you can present at. So that's kind of a tricky road right there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I do also like if if it's a good idea, it's gonna carry. And also it's okay to let your audience and the world see your process as well. Exactly. Exactly. I think that is part of like the creative process and that empowers people because it's vulnerable. And vulnerability is not weakness. Vulnerability is courage. Um, you know, it takes a lot of guts to show the creative process. So that's actually a good thing. And you bring your audience along on the journey. They're there with you. And I think that's really important. I love that. What What would you tell someone if someone's listening and they're kind of like a, they're just they're an awakened creator and they're they're researching their ways they they want to maybe get a youtube channel going and they're like okay hey i'm listening to this i'm going to go flip through carolyn mace's book or look at some robert campbell stuff and figure out what archetype i am and kind of build my narrative i'm going to look at i'm going to lay out um three different five-year odysseys like if i went with this archetype and and this kind of platform and worked along these lines where would it end up i'm going to look at that and I'm going to think about what I can actually put out today and begin this conversation and begin my platform. What advice would you give to this person besides those kind of things that we've already talked about? Um, you know, the big thing is like start small, social media, start posting. Um, and I actually have a little guest here because I think I'm going to let him in. My little dog just came back from the, from the barber shop, and I'm going to actually invite the doggy energy in. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, because like I heard him cry outside and I was like, I couldn't do that. Like anybody else is not allowed. And he's absolutely not, gorgeous. Dog does not sound good on a podcast background. Yeah. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> so um, I would actually say, you know, the most like start basic starts with the basic, um, because as we're trying to find a voice, it's OK to do it on a public platform. Um, you know, just be impeccable. You know, if you have a message, don't stray from it. Don't, of course, you know, I'm all about, um, this is a Jewish concept of being a mensch. And a mensch is an impeccable, mature human being. Um, so if we're conscious creators, recreating impeccable pieces, nuggets of media and nuggets of information. So really impeccable versus these are my opinions and I'm going to throw them around. That's my, you know, if you are going to use the moniker conscious, really work with consciousness. Like, you know, am I conscious of myself in this moment? Am I, you know, what am I broadcasting? But what I really, really would suggest is iterate. Um, put it out there. Don't fear to make mistakes. Don't wait till it's perfect. That's a horrible word. We, you know, we all agree. Um, doesn't, need to, doesn't need to be perfect. Um, so, you know, social media is the easiest. It's free, sort of, you know, sort of, right? Um and you're going to get controversy either way. You can't be afraid of controversy. Exactly. Controversy is fine. Like people can agree to disagree with you. That's fine. Um, but there's something about being impeccable to yourself. And, and again, the moniker of consciousness is this bigger view of where we are all going, what we want to do, who we are, right? It, it's the mindfulness of, of consciousness um, that will, will resonate with certain people. I know that not everybody will resonate with you, but I think again, impeccability and and duocracy, like the doing, the setting, the setting the post, the, the getting out there, creating the blog. Also, it's part of prototyping and iterating your voice when you bring these things out. I mean, I here, you know, I, I do write. <laughs> I do write, and my dog agrees with me. Not that much. Uh, I, I'm not one of those people that just like turns out blog post on a daily basis um that's not my my power um but uh um but one of the things uh that i do when i do write is i actually take my time to bring in something very very deep um and um and that process brings impeccability 
um, I used to hate writing. It used to be very painful for me to do that. Uh, but with also having an editor and uh, really working through trying to bring out my voice, what am I trying to say? And then having a soundboard, you know, having a community to support me with that really helped start bringing my voice out. So the other thing I would really recommend is, yes, iteration, yes, prototyping, bring your voice out. Community, who's holding space for you? Who's your accountability buddy? Um, who's your soundboard when you bring that out? Don't do it by yourself. You have other people around you. Very good. Very good. Um, we're getting close to an hour. So I'm going to just like ask you one question and then I'm going to invite everyone to come see you in person. But what, um, I'm just curious, what are you working on right now that you're most excited about? I always like this question. Um, there's two, well, there's two projects, actually three. <laughs> uh, M's Theory. Uh, if you go to mstheory.co, um, okay. E-M-S, yeah, emstheory.co, okay. um, I'm happy to actually, you know, next week I have my first, my second meeting with my comic book artist and he's going to show me a bunch of stuff and then we're going to go deeper. So I'm really excited about that. And the quick story behind it is I went, I was on a panel at a local comic con event talking about multi-platform storytelling and, um, I brought in my cards that I have of the characters that I have right now. And I just pitched the hell out of my, um, out of my projects with the hope that I would find an artist. And this is what this artist did. So I gave him a card because somebody introduced me to him and I gave him this, this, um, postcard with one of my characters painted on it. And, um, he said, thank you. And he went away 45 minutes later, he comes back with, his interpretation of my character absolutely gorgeous with Whoa. his email and all of that basically a piece of fan art for my my work and wow. i almost cried that was unbelievable so basically he came in as an artist reflecting to me my art and i was like that's it i want to work with you that's <laughs> so, so that's a big message out there like the people that are get you vibe you and step up people who step up i always pay attention to exactly so that's just, that's always an unbelievable story. And he's such a beautiful human being. I'm just, just so honored to, to know him. Um, so, uh, so that's like one project. I'm also working, I've moved a lot into the clean tech industry. Um, and I'm working on a big event uh, with a very big crew called the Clean Tech Open and the Clean Tech Week. But what we're really trying to bring is the narrative of moving from just Activision into solutionary. How do we bring solutions to this world? This is something I'm very, very, very focused on right now. And I know it's a path for my next um, jump in career. And then my third project is I'm writing three odysseys for myself for next year uh, and for the next few years. So I'm actually doing the process I'm talking about. I'm, um, you know, drinking my own medicine and actually going through that and, and actually met with a couple of friends about it. I'm actually have a meeting in an hour about another uh, piece of the puzzle, which is um, what I, what I t call right now the, either the, um, the guide, your guide to being human or your, uh, or the uh, human Jedi uh, training. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So that's another, and it's all about narrative. It's all about empowerment. It's all about working with light and shadow uh, and it's all very, very uh, uh, grounded. It's, it's, you know, I would really try to very much have it more of an opening for more people. I don't want to use too much jargon. I need to make it so simple that everybody from a big CEO and a big corporation to somebody in the Midwest to anybody who is not even has the language that you and I are talking about can actually grok it. Of course, I just brought the, the mother of all jargon words. Um, <laughs> I, know my favorites. I know and most people don't know the the origin story of that word you know it right what is the origin i, I use it all the time but i'm not okay. sure so grok right? yeah some grok g-r-o-k so grok actually is a word from the book in, from 1961 and 62 of robert heinlein it's a science fiction book called um a stranger in a strange land about the man from mars that comes to earth and how Mars people are very, very different to Earth people. They're much more about love. And because they don't have a lot of water, that, that drinking water with another person is like one of the most spiritual thing you can do together. And, uh, 
And grokking comes from the idea that when you grok somebody, you understand them beyond just of the beyond the intellectual level. You understand that person or that idea through and through through all your DNA cells. That's what grokking is. Um, really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I think we should have grok ceremonies and get grokked together. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking for a grokker. Anyway. I'm so, a grokker, right? <laughs> so with that, Maya, I'm going to close our podcast. I want to thank you so much. And sure. I look forward to continuing this conversation and doing a lot more at your incredible presentation that you're bringing. Bring all your projects. Bring yourself. We're going to have a great time. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.